This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Paul Garino. Paul is the founder of PG Sports. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, so I mean, I started PG Sports when I was 19 years old. Uh, I was going into my sophomore year of college. Uh, I was literally just bored one night and I created a Twitter page and I named it PG sports to, you know, just tweet about sports instead of using my personal page, you know, cause my friends would get annoyed and stuff like that. So like, why not make a business out of that? Uh, I always wanted to be a sports agent. So I also just created to have like a foundation after college. And that was like the beginning of it, 2011. And now uh, I ran it all the way up to doing sports marketing and working with athletes. Awesome. And what are kind of some of the growing pains? How did you kind of introduce yourself to people? How did you kind of, you know, develop your first clients? What, what was the journey in that? Yeah. So, I mean, the journey been long. Um, just everything has been over social media pretty much. Like I, I always been saying, like if social media wasn't around, like PG sports would be nothing. Um, just reaching out to people. I mean, I remember when Twitter, I think Shaq, I believe was the first athlete um on twitter and i remember like everyone was kind of like going crazy and and stuff like that and then like that's how you could really reach out to like athletes and celebrities at the time and that's what i did um because this was 2011 2012 and just hitting them up on um twitter a lot and then you know once instagram came and then there's dms so it's like a lot more accessible but a lot less answers i'd say than twitter and um yeah just again working with athletes on different sides of things because you know i i was primarily a, a clothing brand at first and I had I had a few different changes so I went from you know just tweeting about sports to the clothing brand to doing more media stuff with the clothing brand and then as I sponsored athletes you know sending them gear and stuff like that um, that's when I started working with them and I realized like sports marketing could be something that I could do and and then so that's where I'm at right now and just getting clients is just you know building up the relationships that I had since it's been nine years now um reaching back out to the people that I already talked to before so they know me and trust me um like I said it's funny because sometimes I don't even sometimes I don't meet them at all sometimes I meet them like years later even though we've been working together so it's it's been interesting yeah that's awesome and in terms of kind of like reaching out uh, are these accounts obviously they're the personal accounts but some people don't necessarily have the time so you're dealing with kind of social media managers publicists are you like getting directly in contact with the people you're looking to connect with no i mean most of the, most of the time i'm talking to directly the person um i talked to agents before i got i got hired actually by agencies before just to do freelance um, marketing for their clients um so things like that you could Actually, I don't think I ever, yeah, ran into where I'm actually like, I mean, I could have, I don't know though. Who knows? I, I could have been talking to not them, but most of the time I, I'm pretty sure I'm talking to them. Yeah. And, and what are some of the kind of the major pain points in terms of athletes that they're looking to solve? I know a lot of them are, I mean, I'm in digital marketing, but just evaluating certain brand presences and things of that nature. 
a lot of athletes across different sports aren't necessarily tapping the power of their network and their potential and aren't really necessarily branding themselves or at least uh, eluding or bringing light on some of the things. So, so a lot of athletes obviously have foundations, charities, and social is a good place to push that. And people underutilize that. I see some athletes in terms of infrequent posts or posts one, once every week, once every month, but they have millions of followers. So I think people are uh, athletes and people in general are getting it more and more. And then I think it's either they don't want to do it or they do want to do it. And then sometimes it's even just like, if you, if you heard something from another person, maybe their friend is telling them or their family member, but then when you hear from somebody else, then, then it clicks more. Um, and that's just like the way of life. I feel like, cause that, I mean, that happens to me too. Um, and just helping them. Yeah, exactly what you just said. Just not, they're not, if they're not posting consistently getting like a calendar set up or just like things like that. And then they see, or like even sometimes like one time I was helping a baseball player promote his book and I was just like, let's go like through the rosters that you played with. And he didn't even realize like half the guys, like he knew who he played with, but he wasn't even like thinking like that. And I was like, you know, you could just send the book to like X, Y, and Z and then they could, you know, shout it out and stuff like that. So it's just like little things that it's really like more strategic stuff, just like and telling them, giving them ideas. Yeah, I agree. And I think certain athletes in certain uh, sports do a better job too. I feel like a lot of MLB people uh, or, you know, baseball players don't necessarily do a good job across the board or the way like marketing MLB as a league is structured as well. So I feel like, uh, you know, breakout stars, if you, you say name the top five baseball players now versus the top five NBA players or NFL players, it's like very inconsistent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's actually funny because I've been saying too, like I'm trying to tap into the MLB market um, because I, I grew up like a huge baseball fan and I, and I don't really work with any baseball players. So it's like ironic and funny. Um, but I, I see that too, like all the time. And that's why it's crazy. Just like yeah, NBA and NFL players are just like at the top right now. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? I think just working for myself is just like the main motivation. Um, I think I've just been doing it for so long that it's just like been in, inside me, just like flipping stuff on eBay when I was younger, having like tag sales. Um, so I just think, yeah, I don't say, I don't want to say I was born with that. I just think it was just like a mindset when I was uh, younger and it, it just kept on continuing. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's something more about if you earn something yourself, if you got the exact same thing handed to you, I mean, like younger, if somebody buys you something, let's say some kind of uh, game system or something that you're looking for a bike, but if you like do chores or flip stuff and make that money yourself, uh, it's a lot more rewarding when you actually get it in terms of enjoying it because you earned it. Yeah, yeah, I remember actually buying my first video game. Uh, it was Super Smash Brothers for uh, N64. And it was, I remember it was $50 and I thought that was like so much money then. And then like now it's just like, all right, it was like, it wasn't anything crazy, but that's how, I mean, that's like one thing that, you know, save up, save up, save up, and then you, you get that reward. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's a mindset. Obviously people have that mindset from a young age. Sometimes, sometimes it's a mindset shift. I, I feel like uh, your situation and your examples as well, like flipping baseball, basketball cards, having my mom buy candy in bulk at like Sam's club and then go to school and mark it up like five X or 10 X. And then obviously more in inventory. And it was just kind of intoxicating in terms of being able to like run your own kind of mini business, if you will. So I definitely see that point of view. Yeah. Another funny thing I, I was substitute teaching and um, 
and they were selling, they were just selling, like we were selling candy bars. They were selling plates of food now <laughs> in the school. Yeah. Well, the, the, the funny story, I, I went to a private school, 11th and 12th grade. And I guess in 12th grade, the, the seniors were in charge of like selling like the hot lunches to make money for, you know, certain fun fundraisers, but the food that was left over, I was plating it and then just let, let me get $2 for that plate and let me get $4. So it was just like doing that as well. So I can see, I can see that position too. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, it's just doing something with, with anything you have in terms of what you're given and, and making the most of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even back at the school, I remember uh, even in elementary school, like I remember, I think, cause lunch was like maybe like 75 cents or something. I used to have a dollar every day. So I used to have a quarter every day. So if I saved up all my quarters at the end of the week, then I'd, uh, when I was walking home from the bus stop, I would get, uh, like a beef patty. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of save mentality. And like, I mean, I think that's one of the things that are neglected now in terms of teaching kids to be prepared for the real world. So investing, saving, balancing a checkbook, paying bills. And I think if you don't learn it in that method, I guess, like you mentioned, it's really hard when you get kind of thrown into the real world as well. Yeah. I mean, it's even funny now, like when I talk to my friends and and they just, uh, like I'm 28 and they, they just got a credit card, like after college or like a few years ago. And it's kind of like weird to me because like I had one for like a, a while, probably since whenever, I don't even know what the legal age is for that. Yeah. I think I had one. Uh, it's either 17 or 18. I had one in like 11th or 12th grade. And having that in terms of establishing that credit history, like right now I'm what, 36, I turned 36. When I bought my, my, yeah. What? I thought you were in your 20s. Well, I'll take that. I'll take it. But the same thing, it's like building a credit, uh, why it's important to build credit in terms of making purchases, getting loans, business loans, a personal loan. So, I mean, when I bought my my home, my my uh, credit score was like 830. And like without establishing that credit, obviously getting a better uh, interest rate and things of that nature. And like when you're younger, you don't necessarily think about those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause like, I didn't even know at the time, like I was building up credit. Like I didn't even know what that was, but, and now, now it looks good because now I had like credit cards for like 10 years, like you were just saying. Yep. And it doesn't mean max them out or do yeah. things of that nature or, or hold high balances. I mean, rarely use them, put automated payments on them, do things like buy gas or groceries and then be able to pay it off right after you actually use it to, to keep that kind of credit going. And you got to always look over your stuff. Cause I actually just looked over my, my stuff and I had one credit card that I had three X for gas. I wasn't even using it for gas. And then there was one option for online and that's all I was using it for. And I was like, wow, I just missed out on like maybe a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's important. Fine print in anything, business, you know, credit, things of that nature as well. Yeah, definitely. So what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Uh, I would say just talking and just getting better at speaking and in front, like in front of people, um, on the phone with people, just business talk, um, just learning, just learning throughout the years. I and mean, I think everybody's always, always learning, but, you know, just getting the reps of talking to different higher up people and, and things like that. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people get nervous about either talking one-on-one. I mean, I have a lot of people that want to come on uh, the podcast. They don't want to do video or things of that nature. I mean, everybody to a certain extent is insecure about one thing or another. 
And there's been studies in terms of people identifying public speaking, they're more afraid of that than actually dying. So I think everyone <laughs> that, I mean, you can even look it up. Like it's ridiculous, like how, how much anxiety and fear people have. So I think everybody has it. I don't think anyone goes on stage in front of, you know, five, 10, 15, a thousand people and not have some kind of anxiety, but the people right. that actually are good at it, it's repetitive. Obviously they get a flow going and it's, you know, kind of getting past that or figuring out a way to channel the situation and kind of obviously calm down and be, you know, not as anxious. Yeah. It's funny you say that too. Cause like I have my own podcast and I'm, I'm way more comfortable asking questions and talking about that, but that's why, that's why I'm here and trying to get myself out there more. Yeah. I mean, at first when I started my podcast, I did a few interviews, but then I, I mean, I think cross pollinating in terms of interviews on other podcasts is great in terms of tapping into audiences that already listen to podcasts because obviously it makes sense. So a lot of the time when you're promoting a podcast, you're doing it in places where that native audience isn't necessarily a podcast listener. But if you're going to another podcast and <laughs> exposing yourself or what you do, who you are, and obviously your show, if you have it, you know, you're more likely to kind of, you know, cross pollinate and get uh, listeners from, you know, that show to tune in or at least check out what you're about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's been part of my strategy. I think in the last year and a half, I've been on about like 85 shows and it's obviously it's, it's, right. it's uh, turned out to, to benefit me in other ways. I mean, I try to do um, advocacy. I'm a foster parent, so advocating changing the foster care system and things of that nature. So I think it's a great way to show other layers of who you are than people may, you know, necessarily not see. Like if you're all professional or you're only about your business, people may not know about your personal life or your struggles mm -hmm. or things of that nature. Yeah, that yeah, that's dope. And it's funny you said that too, just going on. You said 80. I was like, wow, I just I did like 10 in a couple of weeks. I thought that was a lot. But it, it's funny too, because I even tell like the people that I work with, is like you can ne you never could really go on enough interviews because like every single one of them is different. Like I've been on so many different ones, and there's I mean obviously there's a there's a standard of you know maybe like five questions that are the same, but usually the other ten or whatever are not the same. Yeah, I agree. And if you have the time, and obviously it makes sense, it's beneficial because in digital marketing, I got my you know I I got into digital marketing out of necessity as a result of the 2008 recession, and I started in SEO. So I push people in terms of promoting their brand or their website or their business because everywhere you go, I mean, you're able to, you know, add a link to the show notes or the podcast has a website on the website itself and you're getting backlinks to your website that are relevant in terms of people that may want to do business with you. So you're getting additional referral traffic and you're getting SEO value to kind of boost the overall SEO relevancy of your website. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of people know about that stuff, but I definitely know what you're talking about. Yep. I mean, any any interview, I I wholeheartedly, unless it like completely goes against who I am as a person and my morals, I'm more than happy to say, yeah, some of them are great too. You know, it's just a quick snippet, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes and you jump off, you can do a few a day and, you know, you're it breaks the monotony of my day because I've been remote for about five years in terms of my, you know, business layout. So I get to talk to other people, learn something from them, get something out of that conversation. Yeah. Usually every time I do interviews, like I feel like more motivated, like every, pretty much every interview that I've done. Yep. I agree. I mean, at this point I switched over to a interview format 
March of 2019. Since then, I think I've interviewed about 250 people, all like various walks of life and interesting conversations that I normally probably wouldn't have had. People like former founding members of the Medellin drug cartel, different like startup founders. And it's just like interesting, their stories of how they got into it, kind of their stories of redemption, finding God, things of that nature. And it's like, every story is different and every story is, is meaningful. I think a lot of people are afraid to share who they are and what they're about because they may think that their story is not significant enough versus what they're hearing out there. You know, the different industry gurus or people that may be in the industries that they do and they have more inspiring stories. But I think as long as you share it, there's at least one person that may have gone through the the same direction or same road or struggles that you have and you can impact them or, you know, point them in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's going back to the point of going on a million podcasts because even if, even if the same 10 million people watch it, but there might be like the 10 million of first that just saw you that day. Yep. And, and eventually like people start seeing it. So now I would say as of probably two to three months ago, more people reach out to me to come on their shows and do different media than I was reaching out initially. So even now, you know, I see you everywhere. Can you jump on my show? You know, I like what you have to say. And it's just different in different shows and different genres and different talking points. So you really know who a person is. I mean, this conversation, it's not necessarily like if I met you at a, a networking thing, we may have not had this conversation this in depth right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, even even that too, I I think I got two email requests for interviews and I, I didn't know where they came from, but I'm, I'm assuming because I've been doing interviews, that's, that's where they came from. Yep. Uh, so what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Um, I would just say uh, my motto is, you know, consistency is key. I think just doing something consistently, like regardless of what it is, I think that's when people pay attention and see that you've been doing it for so long. Um, even just like, just like PG sports, like I've been doing it so long, just people know now. And like, even when I, I just started buying masks and then I got the logo on it and the lady was selling them for, I think like regularly $8 and I was selling them for 15, 15. She was like, wow, like people are complaining to me, like for selling them for eight and you're selling for 15. And I'm just like, yeah, cause I got my logo on there and I've been, that's branding. I've been established for, you know, nine years now. So that's, that's, that was like branding 101 right there. It's the same thing where you put on a blank shoe and you put a Nike logo on it and then it's worth a hundred versus $20 or 10 or whatever you want to say. So I like back to that going consistency is key. Just keep on going. Um, obviously everyone has their ups and downs. Um, everybody always wants to quit at some point and you just gotta, just gotta keep on going. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's kind of developing the the right habits. And like you said, being consistent, putting things out. And eventually if you're doing the right thing, things start happening. So it's not one of those things where you think everything lines up or this person you're seeing that may have gone in the same industry or, you know, same uh, walk of life in terms of career that, you know, all these stars align and they have all these things and you don't, I mean, you don't see all the things behind the scenes, all the repetitiveness things that you have to do every day in terms of kind of hustling and a lot of kind of guerrilla marketing, you know, and, and it's, it's not necessarily seen. And I think it's important because even, even if you fall and uh, fail in business or anything, as long as you take a step back and try to take something out of it, what did I learn? How can I adjust or pivot and then apply it to a hurdle or something similar that you may have been going through or will go through in the future? I mean, that, that experience wasn't a failure if you learn something from it. 
Yeah, I think I think that's another key thing too. Is like you you're always learning, no matter how old or young or how much experience you have. It's like you you learn something new, like a lot of times, like even just even just business stuff and just getting on like you know tone of people's voices or tone of emails and things like that. How to like how to talk? You have to talk to different people different ways. So it's just it's just that and and just learning new things. Pretty much. I mean, I learned I learned a lot of new things during the pandemic. Like just even though I've been remote, like the same like you, just learning new technologies and how to do new things. It's, it's you just got to do it. Yeah. And, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I think it's kind of utilizing your time and it's, it's wanting to learn because there's a lot of people that let's say have a nine to five or have a corporate role and they think they have a degree and don't have anything else to learn or don't necessarily want to learn or open to learning. But I think complacency is kind of the death of innovation. So me wanting to learn something, read something that applies to what I do or something that I might be interested in, maybe try a new hobby. It kind of keeps your mind sharp and keeps you young in that sense as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And just thinking about like what you just said about the degrees, it's like, it, it means some, but doesn't mean that much. I don't think it, that's like, that's just like the baseline because you still have to learn a lot of more things. Like that's not even anything real world. Yep. And you basically touched on it in the previous comment about kind of understanding tone and and kind of reading people. So I value soft skills a lot more in most situations than kind of what I can teach someone, because if somebody has the desire to learn, I feel like I can teach them anything fairly easy. But that developing that emotional IQ and empathy to read conversations, read situations and know how to handle them and know how to speak to people is imperative in business because you're dealing with different people, different career levels, executives, athletes, and they may be going through something. You have to be sympathetic and understand where they're coming from and how to kind of communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny too, because even though like, you know, I'm the founder of my company, I still talk to people from like, I could talk to an intern and I could talk to the president of the whole company. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, it's a little different situation than all those. Yep. I agree. And it's, I mean, it's, it's being humble too. I mean, I've talked to C-suite executives, you know, CEOs, founders of, you know, eight, nine figure companies. And as long as you're humble about it and you can connect and be sincere, I think there's a willingness out out there to listen and, and, and convey and get what you're trying to say, because if you come with some kind of fake cheesy pitch or just looking for something, I mean, I get a million emails like on LinkedIn, Hey, can uh, I can get you a million, uh, a million new contacts or a million new leads that we can close. And it's just like, you said hi to begin with, and then you're going to flip it and sell me. Like if you try to sell me right away, I'm just going to discount that right away. That's not even my, like my personal buying behavior. I'll look for something and research several things when I'm ready, like if you're pushing it on me, I, I get like a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, that's actually my new pet peeve of, of 2020, the LinkedIn, I think. And since I made it to premium recently, I think I'm getting more. So it's kind of annoying. Um, I think LinkedIn has to do something about that. I don't know what or maybe maybe they should have like the spam, like the automatic spam thing. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty annoying. But uh, I do it, too. But I'm not I don't I'm not selling people on anything. I'm not, uh, I'm trying to introduce myself to them to make a connection, not saying, oh, like check out my website and buy this for X amount of dollars and be a billionaire. Yeah. I mean, usually like so, some, some connection requests or just general connections on social or gen, uh, genuine, 
but a lot are kind of like you you kind of test it out or you play it out so like with that emotional iq you understand that some people are like fake nice or basically nice to begin with like two three uh correspondences they're like super nice and neutral and then they'll hit you with the sale or, or whatever yeah. that thing they're looking to push to you and it's just like all right well you just wasted this amount of time because i mean i'm more than happy to listen to something or uh, talk about something if you position it like that but don't come at me with like a fake sincerity like you you care you want to like connect outside of actually what you're trying to push me and then switch it up on me yeah the linkedin spam messages remind me of like the pyramid schemes <laughs> yeah pyramid scheme schemes uh the multi-level marketing and and all that so but um, I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, appreciate you having me. My ads are at PG Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my personals are PCG7 on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to reach out and have any questions, I always answer. And uh, again, appreciate you having me on. It was a great conversation. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.